Well, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team. We are in the midst of a series called The Power to Change. Um, so question for all of us. Um, has anyone ever said this phrase to you? Maybe it was in the context of like, oh, you've changed, right? Or maybe it was in the context of, you've changed, <laughs> right? Or the context of like, you've changed, <laughs> right? Maybe anybody, anybody you've ever heard that? Maybe you're the one that's, that said that before. Uh, and so we're, we're in the midst of this conversation about what it looks like, what it means and, and ultimately how God is calling us to continually live into change. And so the first week, uh, Pastor Becca helped us to, to begin in a posture of repentance. Uh, that change really re- requires us to humble ourselves um, before God, before others, through repentance. And then last week, uh, Pastor Rick continued to walk us through how um, often in seasons of life, change occurs in the most untimely or unlikely moments when the wheels are just falling off. And so uh, this morning we are going to be looking at a passage in Colossians chapter 1. Um, and I think it's probably one of the most powerful passages um, in scripture because it gives us this picture, it's a poem, about who Jesus is. Um, and so what I want you to do, I, I want to invite you to stand uh, this morning as we read this uh, together. That would be great. This is Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. It says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Okay, now just just hear these words. Just receive them together this morning. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Would you join me in prayer? God, would you be present here today in the midst of our words, in the midst of what is said here? God, would you search our hearts from the deepest longings that we have to see change in our lives, to see change in our relationships? And Lord, would you show us the way? We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, uh, Pastor Rick really helped us kind of frame or reframe um, really what change is. And so he said, change is what happens to me externally, right? And, And ultimately, transition is what happens within me. 
And, and so I think we're just going to use this language of change kind of as this all-inclusive experience of uh, what happens between point A and point B. And so this morning we're, we're asking this question, what is change and how does it happen? And so very simply this morning, I want to present this, uh, um, this phrase, and it's a little wordy, and so I want to explore it together this morning. But, but first, um, oftentimes I think that we want change to look something like this, where we start in one spot, um, in this arrow on the screen. Uh, we start in one spot, and we think that change is just going to be like this super easy progression from point A to point B, right? Anybody wish that life was that easy? <laughs> Instead, it feels like, I don't know, following a toddler around for two minutes where you're like literally going everywhere at any direction all at the same time, right? Change often takes place with the context of a journey, right? Taking uh, highs and lows of life, the ups and the downs of three steps forward and two steps back. The change is a journey, a process. A progression that takes time. And so uh, earlier this past summer, actually, summer of t- uh, 2023, um, we had a, an opportunity for some of our high school students. We, we took a road trip. We were like, oh, this is a great idea, right? Um, 17 kids on a road trip. It's going to be amazing. Do you think it was like from point A to point B super seamlessly on this road trip? Anybody? No. No. Simply because there were 17 bladders involved, right? Like there's no way... There's no way that that was ever going to happen, right? Um, so many changes, right? Uh, our routes changed. Maybe our plans changed. Maybe we forgot a cell phone and so we had to backtrack 20 miles and go back to the gas station, right? Like there were so many changes that were unexpected. And yet we as, as humans, we, we think that, that change happens in a way that is quick. We want it to be um, succinct, and we want it to be something that is painless. But all of us know, particularly in our relationships, that change is really, really hard. And so what is it for you this morning? What is this point A to point B? What, what, what is that change, specifically in a relationship? I, I want you to think about that this morning as a, the context for, for what we're going to be talking about. What is it? Uh, that you hope for change? Is it a change in uh, a relationship, a friendship? Is it a change in reconcil- reconciliation with a coworker or a long-lost relative or cousin? Is it a change in your marriage? Is it a change in your relationship with your kids? What is that change that you want to see. Maybe it's a change in, in your community, in our community. Maybe it is a global change that, that you want to see happen, but, but for you. Like, name that in your mind now. What is that change that, that if you could ask God to come in and change anything about your life and in a relationship, what would it be? And maybe that's been a prayer for you for a long, long time and you've heard a lot of nothing. Or you've seen a lot of nothing. Maybe you're in a spot now where you just feel so deeply isolated and alone that thinking about any type of change in a relationship feels pointless and lost. I know I've been there. 
And maybe you can relate to that too. But, but in the midst of that, I know that we serve a God, that we serve a king that we read about, that we sung about this morning, that has the power to change anything. And yet, do we believe that? And so what is this change and, and how will we get there? Really simply this morning, um, relationship is the vehicle of change. Okay, so that, that phrase is simple. Relationship is the vehicle of change, but, but change cannot be done alone. Change cannot be com- accomplished alone. It must happen in true relationship and true, lasting, meaningful relationship, right? But there's always, especially like when you're a youth pastor, there's always that middle school kid or that, that kid where like, actually change can happen all by myself, right? I can change my shirt by myself, right? Or someone's like, oh, I can change my oil by myself, right? Or my mom says, I need to change my attitude by myself, right? Okay, so you're right. You can change things by yourself. But if we're serious and if we're honest with one another, change must and only happens in relationship. Change only happens in relationship. Hear these words from Colossians uh, 1. Uh, This is just verse 19. It says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. One of the questions that I think uh, I, I hear oftentimes from, from students, and, and I've asked it myself, maybe you've asked it uh, from yourself as well, but why in the first place did Jesus come to this earth? Right? Like, it's a pretty, like, simple question, but it's a super complex answer of like, why did Jesus come to the earth in the first place, right? And I think oftentimes, like, um, an answer that I think is, is not wrong, but it's one that we've just kind of like internalized is, well, Jesus just came to this earth to die for my sins, right? True? Valid? That's, that's right, right? But it's just like a little sliver of what this verse this, this whole passage is talking about that, that Jesus didn't just come to die for our sin and that we can just like have that assurance that we know like that is crucial and central to the, what the gospel message is. But, but that's just like a little sliver, right? Actually, Jesus came to reconcile everything back to himself. And, and most importantly, like on a cosmic level, like on the biggest scale possible, like Jesus came to reconcile creation. Jesus came to reconcile every relationship, every community, every culture, every person, every heart back to himself. Because Jesus is this ultimate expression of love in the flesh, coming to us to be reconciliation to each of us on this cosmic level, as a community, in relationships, and to you and to me, to reconcile us back to him. And God specifically chose Jesus, sent Jesus, the Son, to be the expression of reconciliation in, in relationship, right? Like in an intimate, deep, personal way through relationship. 
Theologian uh, Lloyd A. Lewis says it this way, Jesus Christ is not only the image of God, he is the agent of God in creation. Jesus was the one in which, from the very beginning, was planned to be in relationship with us so that we could experience what true love is. Jesus has always been the plan of reconciliation. Relationship has always been the vehicle of change. Are you with me? Right? And, and so when you see, when you see this in the context uh, of our relationships, um, I think, uh, oftentimes, um, we see that in a, in a couple different ways. Um, and, okay, I thought I had a box of toaster strudels, but I think I left them. Okay, just pretend I had a, a box of toaster strudels in my hands, okay? Um, and so, um, when I was a, a sophomore in college, okay, um, I had a roommate. And, and this was kind of a, a time in my life, like, I wasn't, I was studying business. I was at a Christian school, but I was like, I, I'm not quite sure, like, if this Jesus thing is for me, okay? And so, um, I had a coach who, uh, Great idea. He's like, hey, I want to start a Bible study at 7 a.m. on Thursdays for college students. Said no one ever, right? Like, <laughs> but he did. He was like, hey, this is serious. Like, he, he was like, if you want to be part of growing in a relationship with God and, and learning, like, there's got to be sacrifice. And and so uh, I was a morning person, but even as a college student, I was like, 7 a.m., that's a sacrifice, right? But, but I had a roommate. I had a roommate who... Uh, Every single Thursday, uh, we had this agreement. Neither of us wanted to get up, but we agreed that whoever got up first uh, would pop in the toaster strudels, right? And then we would put that stuff on there, and then we'd eat our toaster strudels on the walk from our dorm to the Bible study, right? And, and even though it was just like a simple thing, I look back and I'm like, honestly, those toaster strudels are so good, but I don't know what they did to me. But, but that little toaster strudel, maybe it was like an incentive or whatever, that ultimately like ushered me into this deep relationship with my roommate because there was commitment, there was accountability, but it also, like, truly was a catalyzer into my relationship with Jesus of taking it seriously in faith for the first time. And so so how about you? Like, have there been people in your life, relationships, mentors, parents, friends, that have held you accountable, that have pushed you closer to Jesus? That have carried you when you couldn't carry yourself to Jesus. And so truly, toaster strudel or not, right? Like relationships are key and they're core in our growth and in our relationship. Not only to one another, but, but to Jesus. And so, uh, when we think about, um, change, that happens in a, in, in a personal level that 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 is easy to, to kind of grasp. But but what about like change on a on a cultural level or uh, or in a community? And so um, obviously this this past Monday we we celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Jr. We celebrated his life, his legacy, and uh, and so I was I was just kind of doing some reading and um, and uh, I came across just this this really powerful story. And so um, obviously like he is a, a really important figure in in uh, the course of American history. But in the backdrop, I wasn't born or I wasn't alive, but there was a, a lot of people who had strong opinions about the things that he was doing or not doing, right? In the backdrop of so many people that wanted change, to pursue it with violent intentions, right? With, with, with riots or with violence, to be proactive, to, to bring uh, awareness on an agenda for change, but they did it in a violent 
way. And time and time again, Dr. King was so committed to the nonviolent approach, not, not because he just believed in that, but because he believed that, that that was the way of Jesus, to bring a nonviolent approach to the change that he wanted to see. And so he, he has this quote, he has this story where uh, there, there was a, um, a big riot that just took place. So much burning, so much looting, right? Like there was just a lot of destruction. And he got up and he said, my slogan is not burn, baby, burn, but rather build, baby, build. Organize, baby, organize. And if that's not a picture or a roadmap of what discipleship to Jesus looks like, we're missing it. We're missing it. Right? An, an, an imperfect person, Dr. King was, right? There were so many things, uh, there's so many controversies, and yet, like, he showed us what it means and the power of relationship, of, of organizing in a nonviolent way or of being a part or about, of some, about something in a nonviolent way that is so powerful. And really is so different from what the world tells us to do. Not hang, not hate, not anger, but love as perfectly demonstrated through Christ coming to us. And so uh, when we think about, um, especially through the lens of, of youth ministry, um, Pastor Becca and I talk about this all the time. Like there's a reason why we do retreats. There's a reason why uh, we do trips is, is we, we believe this, that like uh, a 48 hour or a 72 hour time with students is equivalent to like nine months of relationship once a week. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you spend time with a middle schooler from Friday afternoon to Sunday afternoon, like you get to know a lot about that kid really quick, right? And, and it's really like the context of like nine months of just seeing them once a week for an hour. And, and to me, what that conviction is as a church, but as a, as a person is, is the conviction that relationship can change lives. Right? Because each of us have people in this room that have impacted us, that have showed us how to change the oil in our car or what it means to, uh, to repair something, but maybe more specifically, like what it means to read scripture and to study scripture and to follow Jesus faithfully is best done, best modeled, and best experienced through relationship. Does anybody agree with that statement? Amen. And so when, when we think about, uh, what is actually like propelling us through these relationships or carrying us through these relationships? Uh, this statement is, is really simple. It says reconciliation is the fuel of change. And so if relationships are the vehicle of change, that reconciliation is the fuel of change. Um, there's a few people in this room that were on um, this uh, this road trip this past summer, um, and you know and you know the story, but maybe many of you don't. And so um, it was the night before we we're about to leave on this trip. Uh, that's Colorado road trip, right? Like the van was ready. Uh, we even had like a trailer hitched up to it, right? Like everything was good to go. Uh, I, I came back home um, and I was gonna have dinner with my family, go to bed, and then we were gonna get up and drive the next morning, right? All all uh, all of us were gonna pile into this one vehicle, and so. Um, I, I pull up to the curb and my mother-in-law was like, I smell gas. I smell gas. I was like, okay, that's weird. And so I crawl under the, the van and I'm just checking it out, like me, the mechanic, right? Like I know nothing. And I'm like checking things out and I tap the gas tank and fuel just like 
dumps on my face. Not kidding you. Like, out of the fuel tank, gas just starts pouring out. I'm on the side of the road. I'm like, what am I doing, right? And so I, like, somehow, something like, I popped something loose, and so I picked it up and shoved it back in there, and it stopped the fuel, okay? Pause, okay? Come to find out that, like, two weeks earlier, I parked this van in our church parking lot for one night, just because I couldn't have it at my house at that time. I parked it for one night. It ended up getting vandalized. Someone stuck a drill bit in there, drilled a hole, siphoned the gas, took the siphon out, stuck the drill bit back in there, and it stayed in there for 40 miles for me to drive from here to Seattle to pick up a trailer and back. And thankfully, my mother-in-law, the mechanic, not at all, but she smelled gas, right? She's like, something's not right. Saved our lives. Honestly, well, save something because we ended up having to scramble and rent two vehicles instead of one. And good thing Alex is a good driver because he drove for 2,000 miles uh, because uh, we were, were not able to take the van, right? And so the fuel is pretty vital and pretty important to your relationships, right? Like without that fuel tank, like we wouldn't have got very far. And yet when we get the fuel right for our relationships, like things can change in a way that's pretty powerful. And so for us, reconciliation is the fuel of change. And so oftentimes I think that uh, when we think about what, what fuels change for us, maybe in the relationship that you were thinking about in your mind beforehand, um, sometimes it's because of selfish ambitions or pride or fear that we have to change out of fear, or maybe we're trying to change things out of coercion. Maybe we just want it for ourselves. And, and, and wanting change for yourself is not a bad thing, but, but truly, like, to see lasting change, we need to see it as in the context of the power of reconciliation that Christ first extends to us and then that we are to extend to one another on this cosmic level, on this big level, all the way down to the smallest and most specific relationships that you and I are in. It's pretty awesome, but um, one of our pastors on on the team has an entire master's degree um, in uh, reconciliation theology, specifically. Pastor Kyle, like, this is his, like, bread and butter. Like, he studied this, he knows it, he lives it, he embodies it. And, and so he's uh, he's talked about it a lot with our team, and it's, it's really deeply impacted me. He says, uh, part of uh, beginning this process of reconciliation through through Christ, um, but specifically as followers of Jesus, is is beginning with a common narrative, right? Like agreeing to what happened or what went wrong. Like if if we can't agree to a common narrative, then we're not really even going to be able to work forward or work past it or work on this change. And, and then he goes on to to share that uh, that that rebuilding trust is vital. Right for, for any of us, for each of us who have been in a relationship where there has been trust broken, there's that time where you have to sit and, and to recognize through a common narrative that there is brokenness and there is a necessity to repair trust. And, and ultimately that can only take place over time. And that's the hardest part, I think, for a lot of us, right? That, that we just want change to happen like this. We just want to, we just want to reconcile as quick as possible. But, but you and I both know that, that time is vital 
and necessary. And so for us as, as a church right now, we, we are in a season of, of uncertainty, right? We are in a season where um, there has been a lot of change. And I, and I wish that we could say, oh, we have this perfect plan forward, but, but I'll tell you, like, there is still so much uncertainty around the circumstances, and yet we know that through the power of reconciliation, that there is a way forward. And it could be one of the most beautiful things to have ever happened to this church if we live into it. But it's going to take trust. It's going to take the opportunity for us to rebuild trust. And it's going to take time. And it's only going to happen in committed relationship to one another, with one another, to see a way forward. But that is the gospel message. That is this message of of reconciliation to say, we believe in a Jesus who can transform any circumstance at our church, in our families, in our communities, and in our lives to bring about change that could not happen otherwise. And that is the power of the gospel. These words in uh, Colossians chapter 1, it says, uh, And through him God reconciled everything to himself. God, through Jesus Christ, calling us back to reconciliation, calling us back to return to him so that we can experience that for ourselves and then extend that to one another. Relationship is the vehicle of change. Reconciliation is the fuel of change. And so, um, how do we live into this framework? Uh, and, and I want to offer some really practical things, and then I want to tell one story, and then and then we'll be done. Um, but but how can we be agents of reconciliation uh, that will take? Time that will take opportunity to rebuild trust, but ultimately that will model the relationship and the impact of what Jesus has done on this world and in my life and maybe in your life too. What if we just start with the power of words? Um, uh, Pastor Mark Batterson says it this way. What if we viewed words the way we view money? What if we saw our words as gifts? And what if we were generous with life-giving words instead of tearing each other down? Starting with just building each other up in a way that can seek reconciliation instead of pushing each other aside or distancing one another. We talked about time, and and chronologically, like, change and relationships take time. But, But what if we were just able to offer time to one another? We see it so much as a currency, especially in our context, right? Like, time is so precious. I know that as a youth pastor, right? Like, I know the tensions that a lot of our families carry. And yet, like, what if we offered time to one another to actually, like, be with one another, with one another to be with our kids, to be with those that are hurting as a gift towards reconciliation? Not as an agenda of this is what I can get out of this conversation, but to specifically just to be present with one another in relationship. And lastly, what would it look like for us to, to shift our, our, our focus? Um, 
in a world and in a context that uh, is so self-centered and and so self-seeking, what it what would it mean for us to to shift our focus uh, from ourselves to others? Pastor Nancy is going to explore this this next week, and it's uh, it's actually her last Sunday at Pine Lake Covenant Church. And so uh, I hope that you're able to, to come out and to, to celebrate her as we consider the ways in which we can shift our focus. But how about you? How might God be calling you to seek reconciliation in that relationship that you thought about this morning? Uh, there's this story in, in uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. And uh, it's the story of, of five friends. Um, and uh, it's the story of um, the, these five friends bringing their one friend uh, to Jesus. And, and this is actually just a piece of art that is in a museum in Ireland, another depiction of it, right, um, that is like 500 years old. But the story is 2,000 years old. And, and it's really simple. It's these four friends that carry the fifth friend to Jesus. But the room is too full, right? And so they had to get creative. They had to go up on top of the roof and lower their friend down in order for them to get their friend, to Jesus. Relationship was the vehicle that got that friend to Jesus. But reconciliation was the fuel because those four friends knew that if they could just get their friend in the presence of Jesus, that his life would change. They didn't know what he would do. They didn't know if he would heal him. They knew that he could heal him because they'd seen it done before. But they knew that that if they could get their friend in the presence of Jesus, that he could be changed. And so how might we live that out and embody that in our relationships now? Be people who carry others to Jesus when they don't have the strength to do that themselves. I know for for many of us in this room, we're we're part of this church, but... uh, But oftentimes, maybe we feel isolated or so alone or not seen or not heard. Maybe you've been at this church for a long time and you have your friends and you have your relationships, but but maybe God is calling you or inviting you to be part of, of something new, to see people that you maybe haven't seen for the first time in relationship. Relationship is the vehicle to change. Reconciliation is the fuel to change. And through this, through Christ, through this cosmic love that Jesus has for you and for us, we will experience change. Would you join me in prayer? God, we we just still our hearts now and first just want to receive uh the love that you extend to us, to us personally, that you have sought us, that you have chased after us, that you love us deeply. But Lord, you've laid names or people or relationships on our hearts that some are not new, that have been there for a long time that we want to see change. And maybe some are, are new. But God, move us to action this morning. That through your power, through the power of reconciliation, through the power of relationship, that we would experience change through you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.